This is God's word. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded of your cleansing as testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this time to come together and to to hear your word. And I pray that as we come from all different situations and backgrounds and thoughts we have about you and things we believe, that you would speak to us each in a specific way, that you would use us to, to bless us and that we may grow closer to you and that we may grow fuller into the, the peace that you offer us. We ask this all in your son's name. Amen. So I think it was uh, like last week. It was one of those sunny days we had where it was pretty warm. And I had kind of a long day. I did some projects on the house and um, did some other stuff, but just kind of run around all day. And then towards the end of the day, Katie and I, you know, you kind of go frantic your ways and come back. And we just put Cope down, our son, to bed. And we walk out the door, and this is like our first time that we really connect and get together, and we just kind of hug each other. And it's one of those, you let out the sigh, we made it through the day hugs. But then, as we're standing there, and she's like her first time kind of being close to me, I think something about my presence and closeness uh, triggered a memory from earlier that day, and she goes, ugh, my fifth grader smelled so bad today. (laughs) So... I knew the kind of day I had, and I, I instantly knew what triggered this, but <laughs> obviously this is an instance where I wish to be clean. <laughs> but isn't it, it's interesting that <clears throat> in the story we read, this man with leprosy comes to Jesus and he asks to be clean. He doesn't ask to be healed. When we go to a doctor, we don't usually say, wash me up. We usually go and say, I want to feel better. Fix me. Make me well. But this man, he comes to Jesus and he says, make me clean. See, what he's referring to is these practices that were instituted by Moses over a thousand years earlier. When God established his covenant relationship with his people, he set forth different guidelines and different structures for them to uh, keep good standing with him. And a lot of times when we think about... um, what that means, we go to like, well, don't sin, don't do these bad things. But being clean and unclean, a lot of times, didn't mean that you were doing something God said don't do that. So if you like told a lie or stole the goat or punched someone, that didn't necessarily mean you were unclean, even though those were obviously discouraged. But being unclean, a lot of times, would have to do with things that had to do with flesh. And it was pretty much assumed that if you just went through a normal life, you would do things that would, you would eventually become unclean. So God set up these 
practices and guidelines for you to become clean again after you did those things that made you unclean. There were these kind of rituals that you could cleanse yourself and then be in right relationship with God. So some of those things that would make you unclean is if you came in contact with a dead body. So, I mean, if you're a farmer, a lot of times you're going to be in contact with dead bodies. If you're a physician, sometimes you might get... And so it's not a bad thing, but that would make you unclean. If you had sex or gave gave birth, that would be something that would make you ceremonially unclean, and there were things that you had to do to become clean again. So if you had a kids, at some point or another, you were unclean. Which, if you have kids, unclean is mildly putting it... So like you, so you see, it's not necessarily that someone was doing something that was outside of what God ordained. It was just, you come into these practices, you become unclean, and God set up these systems for you to become clean again because he wants to be in relationship. Um, and the reason it mattered if you were clean or unclean is because if you were unclean, you couldn't participate in certain ceremonies. You couldn't go to the temple. You couldn't, in some, in some instances, you couldn't even participate in society because of the certain things that made you unclean. And so the one thing that we look at in this story that happens that would make you unclean are these defiling skin diseases that would result in open wounds on your body, such as leprosy. And leprosy was such a big deal, it was so serious that if you came in contact with another person who had leprosy, or if you even touched the clothes that they had worn with this disease, then you would also be unclean, and you'd have to go through these practices to become clean again. So people who had leprosy or these other types of diseases in society were completely shunned. They were avoided at all costs. They didn't, they weren't, they didn't want anything to do with them because then it would cause them to become unclean. So how would this work? Adam, Adam agreed to help me out with this. And if you want to follow along, you can, the Bible's on the seat next to you. If you turn to page 102, it's Leviticus and we're going to be reading uh, chapter 13. This is what it would look like, um, kind of the process for people when they, discover, when they thought they wanted to find out if they were unclean or not. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or one of his sons who is the priest. Okay, so I'm the priest. And you are one of those who have a swelling or rash or shiny spot, whichever you wish. <laughs> Take your preference. All right. So the priest is to examine the sore on the skin. So can it be on like your arm, please? <laughs> so the priest is to ex- oh yeah, the hair on the s- and if the hair on the sore has turned white, which it has, the sore appears to be more than skin deep, which it does. It is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines them, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Adam, I pronounce you ceremonially unclean. (laughs) If the shiny spot on the skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, which in this case, yep, that looks like what it is, and the hair is not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. So you need to go over there and be isolated for seven days. Do you feel isolated? Very isolated. Perfect. I'm welcome. <laughs> On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. Okay, so come back. It's been seven days. And if he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread, 
in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. <laughs> On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. <laughs> and if the sore has faded and is not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It's only a rash. They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash, if the rash does not spread in their skin, after they have shown themselves to the priest, to the to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again, the priest is to examine them, and if the rash has spread, look at that, <laughs> in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. I pronounce you unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. So I just read one paragraph. This goes on, I'm not done with you. This goes on for, for 45 verses. These different scenarios, these different practices and things that people go through, to find out if they are clean. And the kicker comes at verse 45. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt. Can you tear your clothes and unkempt your hair a little bit? <laughs> Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Unclean, unclean. <laughs> as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Thank, thank you, Adam. Now I'm done with you. Outside the camp. <laughs> now we just read, this is just what someone had to go to in order to find out if they were clean or unclean. Um, it could take over two weeks. And let's say while well, they're out in the camp and their skin starts to clear up and they think they might be getting better, they have to go back to the priest and go through the whole process all over again before they can find out if they're clean or not. And that's not all. Once the, once the priest affirms, yes, it's getting better, okay, you're clean, but you're not really fully, totally clean. There's still more processes you have to go through. Um, if you look one chapter over at chapter 14, I promise this is going somewhere. It's not, it's getting, this is probably more time than you ever spent in Leviticus. Um, so I'm going to start reading, and to make this more enjoyable, try and keep track of how, how many steps there are, okay? And, and I'm just going to start reading. The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing, when they are brought to the priest. Okay, here we go. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live, clean birds and some cedarwood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedarwood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird into open fields. The person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and bathe with water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. After this, they may come into, into the camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day, they must shave off their hair. They must shave off their head, shave their head, not off their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves with water, and they will be clean. On the eighth day, they must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb, a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for the grain offering, and one log of oil. The priest who pronounces them clean shall present both 
the one to be cleansed and their offering before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then the priest is to take one of the male lambs and offer it as a guilt offering along with a log of oil. He shall wave before the Lord as a wave offering. He is to slaughter the lamb in the sanctuary area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. Like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed and on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot. The priest shall then take some of the log of oil, pour it into the palm of his own hand, dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm and with his finger sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining on his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering, the rest of the oil in his palm, the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed and make atonement for them before the Lord. Then the priestess is sacrificed the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanness. After that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it to the, on the altar together with a grain offering and make atonement for them, and they will be clean. Piece of cake. How many did you, how many did you get? Did anybody count? <laughs> I think I got like 58, but some of them are like multiple step, but it's crazy. So you might be asking yourself, obviously, um, why did we just spend all this time going over these ancient rituals that seem to have no significance anymore? Um, and I just want you to know, we didn't even go over everything. This was just a certain circumstance in one instance of what it would take <clears throat> for this person to be clean. And you would start to see the burden and the complete, the way that this disease completely consumes this person's life, that they're affected in every way. They're isolated outside of the camp. They probably can't think about anything else. They don't interact with other people. And their life is just consumed with all this that's that's going on in their body. And now, having heard all that, listen to this again. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. <clears throat> Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Do you see now like how significant it is that Jesus said, be clean, rather than, I'll fix your leprosy? This is so much more, the story is so much more than just a story of a man who is sick becoming healthy. This is a story of Jesus accepting an outcast who had been forced to live a solitary life away from the temple, away from God, away from the rest of the community. It's like Jesus says all those rules, like, don't, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. You're in. Come be a part of this. All those things that you have to go through, he's like, I got it. Just come be, come be with me. You see, no matter what you've heard from maybe even other pastors or evangelists on TV, to Jesus, being one of his followers is not about this checklist or these rules and these procedures that you need to go through in order to make yourself good enough it's about responding to a God who wants to be in relationship with you. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what your mess is, no matter how dirty you are, a God that wants you to trust that he's already taken care of it. The church is not a fraternity that 
has this hazing period where you go through this checklist and once you meet all these requirements then suddenly you're good enough to be a follower of Jesus. The church were a group of unhealthy, unclean, broken, sad, sorry people. We're just trying to believe Jesus when he says that he's taking care of it. And it's, it's really hard to believe that message sometimes because society has all these other messages that we hear saying, you need to live up to this in order to be acceptable, in order to be valued. And I think, I believe that Jesus hates a lot of the messages that society, that we receive from society that tell us what we need to do to be acceptable. I believe that Jesus hates society's message that tells girls and young women they need to be a certain weight in order to be beautiful. I believe that Jesus hates society's message that tells people everywhere that their happiness is directly related to the amount of things that they own. I believe Jesus hates the message from society that people are unlovable to God because of who they love. I believe that Jesus hates the message that tells you you need to be perfect before he can love you. Thankfully, with this story, Jesus is able to overcome these messages. He seems like he just blows through them. They don't affect him. Did you notice what he did um, when the man with leprosy first came up to him? Here's this man that's full of um, this unclean disease, and the whole crowd around him can see it. And before he's made clean, before um, the leprosy leaves him, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. Even in, even in his unclean state. It's, can you imagine what the crowd around him must have been thinking? It's almost like you'd see it in slow motion. We're like, no, Jesus, don't. He's, oh. And he just kind of blows through this, these rules and these regulations. And it doesn't matter what, what his disease is, what society has said. Jesus welcomes him. There's nothing about his state that he says, no, I can't look past that. I can't, I can't deal with that. No matter what our leprosy is or our burden that we're carrying or our thing that makes us feel the vulnerability or the shunning or feeling outcast or marginalized, Jesus can deal with that. He can take care of it. I want to close with two things I want to make sure that you hear um, from from this story. The first thing is there isn't anything you have There isn't anything you have done. There isn't anything about you that makes you unwanted or unlovable to God. And I really really want to make sure you hear that. So some of the best ways to make sure you learn things is to say them yourself. So say these words after me. There isn't anything I have or anything I've done. There isn't anything about me that makes me unwanted or unlovable to God. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, if you let yourself um, come closer to Jesus, He will make you clean. And all the, the power of all those other messages you hear will start to lose their power and you'll begin to not even care about what they say anymore. And you'll experience His peace. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you do have a defiling skin disease. You're welcome here. As soon as the leper experienced this cleansing 
power of Jesus, this message, he was instantly brought back in and all of his relational status was fixed. He could be and interact with other people. He could interact with God. He, he was a part of society again. At City Life, we're striving to be a community that lives out this, this message of love and acceptance of Jesus. And the reason we're trying to do this is because we've experienced it. We're, we're people living very broken lives. Um, but, we, but we're encountering this God who is able to look past our brokenness and he reaches out to us and says, I'm willing, come be a part of this. Will you please pray with me? God, there are so many things in our world that tell us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, um, that you shouldn't love us. And I, we thank you for the message that even the most defiling parts of our lives you are willing to, to deal with, that you're willing to, to take care of, <clears throat> and that you're willing to love us. Help us to believe this message and to, to believe it about ourselves. Help us to live in a way where others experience the same love and experience this welcome and grace that you offer to all of us.